Hey, welcome to Church Project. I'm glad that you're here. Um, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the, the elders here. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, we're glad that you're here. We hold the, the Bible in high regard. And so to that end, we have Bibles on both lamps, and we have Bibles um, near you in a chair. And so if you want to go ahead and grab that, the passage we're looking at is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 20. And it's on page 676 of one of those blue Bibles. So you can grab one of those and, and we'll get started. And so, um, man, if you've been coming to Church Project for a little while, you maybe you've noticed that this morning was a little rough with the mics and transitions and, and all that. And you know what? That's okay. That's fine. It's just matching my morning and kind of my weekend as I look at this passage and I look at what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual armor. We're talking about a battle that is in the spiritual realms that we can't even see. And I don't know about you, but I'm an imperfect parent. How about you? Uh, I'm an imperfect spouse. Even this morning, uh, I took a small issue in our house with Zoe, my oldest daughter, and blew it up into a, a big issue and dishonored her and had to apologize. And here we are, like, welcome to Sunday morning. I don't know what your morning was like, uh, if you've had to apologize to your daughter, um, if, if you've uh, just had a rough morning or a rough week. But we're all human in this place. And that's the beautiful thing about this passage that we're getting into today. Is it just highlights, as, as we talked, our elders talked and prayed this morning, I, I, one of the things I said was, you know what, it just highlighted, my morning and my weekend just highlighted that um, I am not worthy to come and to preach this gospel message. No, no one is. It's just by the grace of God that he looks at every single one of us and he says, I love you, that's it, end game, done, over, I love you. So I'm not sure what you've experienced this week, if you come in with guilt, if you come in with thoughts, if you come in distracted, here's what I know to be true. The gospel message, Jesus loves you. He's pursuing you. He's forgiven. He's given everything for you. And so accept that today. Realize how much God loves you today. Let me tell you how extreme this message is. This weekend, my grandpa's walker was stolen at Walmart. Who steals my uh, grandpa's walker? Like he goes and he puts it next to those carts that you sit on and drive around, right? Comes back, bye-bye walker. Who steals a walker, okay? That happens. My daughter's car breaks yesterday. I yell at Zoe today. So hey, we're all in this today, and I think that God has an incredible message for us. And I think Satan wants to distract us from this. So my prayer is that this, your heart's open, your mind's open, and you'll, you'll hear this incredible message as I was working on it. I was reminded again that this battle, this life, is not just in the physical realm. Oh, it's in the spiritual realm. And there's Satan. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal all joy, and he wants to distract you. So I pray today you accept this good, this good message. So let's jump in, and let's see what Paul has for us and what God is, is showing us in this Ephesians passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. It starts out, and in the, NIV, or the, the ESV version, it says right away, Stand therefore. Or if you're reading NIV, it says, stand firm. Stand therefore. Paul is writing, and if, and if you know the story in the background of what we've been talking about, is Paul's in house arrest. 
He's in Rome in house arrest. And he's about to literally end this message as we looked last week. And he's about to literally end his life. He's going to be killed for this gospel message. He doesn't know it, but he's in house arrest under Roman guards. And they're watching him. He's finishing, pinning this message. And what is he saying in his final message to, to humanity? He's saying, stand firm or therefore stand therefore be fast be right there and i can imagine put yourself in in his jail cell or put yourself in his house arrest and what's his view well i imagine he's looking at a roman guard right there that he's chained to that's watching him making sure that he's not going to get out like he is looking at this Roman guard and he's writing this message to us that we have in Ephesians. And he's looking and he's looking at this Roman guard and he's like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this Roman guard as a literary inspiration. And he begins to pick him apart and look at him and says, look at this mighty man in front of me. Look at how he's dressed. He's ready for war. And Paul takes a temporal example and he turns it into an eternal truth. He takes something that's mundane in his, in his everyday, something that he's seen, and he turns it into an eternal truth. God gives us the opportunity every day to do the exact same thing. Something that may be mundane, something that may be on repeat, something that's just habit that we go through about our day. I wonder if this week God can awaken eternal meaning in our temporal, everyday movement of life. He can if we open our eyes and, and we say, God, show me something beautiful. And as Paul is standing there, he's looking at this Roman guard and he takes the example of him and he writes to us how we should stand firm. Stand firm. See, Some of us, though, we ask when things are going wrong. I imagine Paul didn't wake up and say, I want to be in, in, in prison today. This isn't the way that I would hope my life would go. And so Paul has an opportunity as he wakes up that beautiful morning, probably without a frappuccino in his hand, probably not the way that he wanted it, probably not with the Roman guard right there, probably not in house arrest. He's probably not in his ideal situation, would you say? And daily, we're probably not in our ideal situation. And sometimes things happen in our life where we look up and one of the first things we want to say is, God, why me? Why this? Why right now? Why is this happening to me? And I can, I can see Paul in prison, and he, he wakes up, and maybe his flesh begins to speak, and he's beginning to say, why me? Why am I here? But he's asking the wrong question, and we're asking the wrong question. And I love how Paul takes this temporary moment of being in house arrest. He turns it to an eternal truth. And he doesn't ask, why, why me? But he begins to ask God, what are you doing in this moment? What are you showing me? Church, this is profound if we can wrap our heads around this. When things begin to happen in our life that don't line up with the way that we would write them or subscribe our life to be, we, we tend to throw it on God and go, God, why me? Why is this happening? Why now? And begin to blame God. And that's the wrong question, church. What we should be doing is, God, what are you doing in this moment? What are you showing me? Because God is showing us beautiful, beautiful things. Paul is not saying, woe is me in prison. He's saying, God, what are you doing in this moment? He picks up a pen. He writes to us as church. He writes to the church of Ephesus. And we get eternal meaning because of his temporary insignificant moment. 
God can do that. He redeems everything. He redeems our whole life. Those moments where we think they're mundane, oh no, they can jump into the eternal. We just have to ask the right question and have the right perspective. God, what are you doing in this moment? And Paul says, and he writes to us, stand therefore, stand firm. Don't be persuaded to move, stand firm. And we're going to look at what we stand firm in. But I, I think of this illustration that, that um, I've, I've heard of and I've watched some YouTubes about. And, and, and anyone e- ever seen this, a YouTube or, or news on this? And, and what it is, it's this, this, these bikers, these tough bikers. And these tough bikers that ride Harley Davidsons and all that just have a, a really big heart for kids that have been abused, child abuse. So what they'll do is on these court hearings, when these little kids, these little girls and little boys have to stand up in court and look at their abusers in the face and begin to detail to the court what's wrong and what happened in their life and how terrifying that could be in that moment for that little kid to have to testify against these abusers. Well, what these Harley Davidson tough men and women do is they go and they they fly there and they ride their bikes to the airport and they pick up these kids or they meet these kids and they hang out with them for an entire day and let them ride on their motorcycles and a whole gang of these bikers move into the courtroom and they stand, they stand firm in that courtroom and they say, this kid has more power to do things because we are here with them and they're not alone. We stand firm against this child abuse. Look at that beautiful picture. The love that these bikers have for these kids that have been abused. And all they literally do is stand firm. Stand firm. They stand for love. They stand for righteousness. They stand for what's right. And hopefully what they're doing is they're bolstering confidence in these kids as they have to stand in one of the most difficult positions of their entire life. Paul says, stand firm, church, stand firm. Romans 5, 2 says, through him, Romans 5, 2 says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul is saying, stand firm. In a shape-shifting world of deception, what can we stand for? What can we stand on? When everything around us is moving and swirling, what can we stand firm on? Paul shows us. Look, look at your text. He says, stand firm. He says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. We can stand on truth. Not deceit. We can stand on truth. (laughs) Take the truth away from a situation And take the truth away from our life, and what do we begin to do? We begin to open the door for the flesh, and we begin to open for the enemy to come in and to take us over. Our human reason and logic is flawed, and Paul says you can stand firm, but don't do it on your own strength. Stand firm in what? Stand firm on truth. Stand firm on his word. He says, stand firm, or stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the blessed breastplate of righteousness. When I think of standing firm in the word of truth, multiple, multiple verses and and passages in the Bible come to my mind. I think of John 8, where it talks about Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. There's no truth in him. He wants to move us from the truth. And I think of Psalms 1. Any of you memorized Psalms 1 or read Psalms 1? 
beautiful. Psalms 1 talks about we should stand firm like a tree planted by flowing of waters and continually nourished by the everlasting truth of God. And so when we stand firm, we don't stand firm in our own strength, but we stand firm in his word. And we say, Satan, I'm pushing you back because the word of God and the truth that is here, I will not be moved in this moment. Satan, you will not have your way in my life because the word of God is truth and I stand firm, unshakable on that. Not on my own strength, on the power of Jesus Christ. I think of Paul as he's writing this in prison. He's saying, stand firm, church. I wonder if his hand's quivering as he's writing this, going, I wonder what's going to happen in my life. Stand firm, church, and stand firm in this truth. And then what does he do? He continues to write, and he says, put on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, what a beautiful picture. It means right living before God. Put on this breastplate. Protect your chest, protect your heart, and live a life of righteousness in everything that you do. We do not define what is right. Humans, we cannot define what is right. The truth, God defines what is right in our life. Whatever God says, that's what I will do, what his word says. He says, stand firm in that and live right before God. It seems to me that I can do this, but it seems to you, could be wrong. God's word is what guides our life, and God's word is what we stand firm in, and we say, God, please hold me to the very end. I stand firm in your word. Truth is this, Satan, and we've said this before, he puts temptation in front of us, and he says, do this. It seems right to you. Do this. It may go against the word of God, but you know what? This one time, It's not going to matter. They won't find out. You're strong enough. You can do this. And Satan begins to give us lies. And we've said this before, but sin will always, every time, will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you're willing to pay. Dabbling in sin and dabbling in things that go against the word of God every time will do this in our life. It will result in us looking, realizing the righteousness that God's called us to is far from us because we're living the way that we want to live. These are hard words to hear, aren't they? These, these are hard words to think of Christ looking at us and he's saying, you know what, in this world you will have troubles. In this world when you sign up and when God calls after you and says, you're in my army and you're a Christian, it's not just going to be a circus and a play day from that, that point forward. We are active. We are in a battle. We're moving forward, and Satan wants to kill us. So let's take the picture of what Paul's writing with the guard standing right there, and we think of putting on the belt of truth. There is truth. We can stand firm in that. Look, of, Think about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and we do that, and then in verse 15 it says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Isn't that true? The gospel is peace, isn't it? The gospel message is peace. It's God reconciling humanity to himself. We are against God. Humans are against God because we are sinners. There's animosity between us and God. Yet Jesus, the gospel of peace, comes. 
He comes after us and he makes peace with us. And it's only because of this gospel message found in the Bible that Paul's painting a beautiful picture of. It's only because of this gospel message that we have peace with God. It's nothing that we can conjure up on our own. We can't help grandmas cross the road and earn our way to heaven. It's the love grace of God coming and saying this gospel message of peace. I'm running you over with it. I'm running you over with it. I love you so much. I'm running you over with it. And no longer will you live a life that's in conflict with God, but you have the gospel of peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this. He's looking at this Roman soldier. He's saying, put on this. Have the shoes of readiness given only by the gospel of peace. You can live a life of peace because of the gospel message. Some of you may be watching football today. And I don't know, I haven't seen him in a while, but there's usually that John 3.16 sign-holding guy or lady. You remember them? I don't know if they do that anymore, but John 3.16. And, and we know this beautiful, this beautiful passage in Scripture and, and verse says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Should live a life of peace should live a life of purpose because of Jesus Christ. And this beautiful message of God sending His Son and dying for our sins on our behalf and His blood washing over all of our sins to give us peace so we can live a life that glorifies God and points to Him. Are you hearing this message? Are you, are you living a life that just deep down you, you have peace? Just deep down, you, you know the, the joy of God? Or you feel in conflict, even right now? Are you feeling conflict with what's going on in your life and, and how you've been living your life and the aim of your life? If so, I, I ask you today, why are you living life on your own terms and for your own aim? It's going to be empty until we as individuals realize that the true peace in life only comes through this gospel message. Realizing it's Jesus loving us. Surrendering control of our life and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for your only son who's died for me. And God, I will serve you with my life. This is where true peace is found. Let's get to verse 16. Are we tracking today? This is, this is, a, it's a, this is a hard message to go through. Anybody else want to come up and finish this up? Huh? Josh, I see you here. Good to see you, bud. Anyone else want to come up here? <laughs> I'm ready to tag, ta tag team this one. Let's go. Okay, let's jump in. All right. Verse, verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I love how Paul says the shield of faith. And just get that picture in your faith and, or in, in your mind of, of the shield of faith and this Roman soldier and their big shield, their big heavy shield. And what's the shield doing? It's ex extinguishing the fiery darts that's getting shot at them. And think of the Roman soldier doing that and, and move that into the eternal world. Your circumstances right now, where has Satan shot at you this week? He's aiming at you. And there are darts that are on flame and on purpose, and he has it targeted right at you. Think of what Paul is saying. He's saying, where's your shield of faith? Put up your shield of faith. Satan wants us to doubt the character and the goodness of God. 
Satan wants us to doubt the character and the goodness of God, if we can begin to doubt who God is and how good God is and the characteristics of who God is, then all of a sudden, Satan begins to win. And one arrow gets past our shield of faith. We stand firm in who God is. We stand firm and we say, God, you are good. This is about you. I think back on my life. I've been a Christian for a very long time. Since third grade. I'm 40 year old right now. I've been to a lot of churches. I've been to Christian college. I'm in seminary. I don't know how many messages I've given. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible. I don't know how many hours I've spoken and I've tried to articulate this gospel message. It's a lot. And yet me, myself, I can think of times, and I still have times, where Satan is just so sneaky to throw this arrow, and for some reason my shield of faith isn't up, I'm I begin to have doubt, and I start to think, God, what are you doing? There's been times I think back in my life that doubt crept up so much, I began to question the character of God so much that I am about this far from running away from this whole thing. Any of you ever done that? Any of you ever had so much doubt where you're like, God, I am just this far away from running away from everything. The faith that I've had for years, like we could even do that. God is pursuing us and he's running after us. But I get to the place in my head and I get to the place where I'm like, God, really? And Satan begins to shoot at me and I begin to question the character of God and doubt begins to sneak in. Does that ever happen to you? Satan is sneaky. He wants to confuse humans. He wants to get in our head. He wants us to be messed up. Unfortunately, we don't have the cards on the chairs today, but in the back there's these little black business cards, say church project. They're kind of cute. You flip it over and on the back side, what does it say on the white side? It says what? We want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and the church. Because quite honestly, there's a lot of people where they've experienced things in church, where they've experienced Christians, or Satan has told them lies, and they begin to question the character and the goodness of God. Quite honestly, they're done with this thing called church, Christianity. Oh, I tried that. See, they're not understanding the depth of God's love. They're not understanding his character, and Satan has sold them a, a, a thing of, of lies, and they're beginning to believe it, and he'll do the very same thing for every single one of us. He'll begin to point at God. He'll begin to, we'll begin to point at him and, and, and have excuses and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? And all along, that's the wrong question. What we should be doing is saying, God, what are you doing in this moment? And may you get glorified and get glory in this. And may it be about you and not about me. And when we enter into these hard times in life, may we stand firm in the truth of the gospel message, knowing that Satan is shooting his fiery darts at us, trying to get us to question the goodness of God, and we begin to question everything in life. And we're moments away from throwing it all away. That's where this grace message comes in. God says, I've run you over. I call you my son. I call you my daughter. 
There's nothing you can do that's going to separate my love from you. I'm stronger than anything that you've ever experienced in this world, anything you ever will experience in this world. I'm big enough to overcome every obstacle, regardless of whether you find it and you look at it and you say, there is no hope in this situation. It's beyond repair. That's when we realize that Satan is shooting past our shield of faith. We're not standing strong. We're beginning to question the goodness of God. Church, church, stand firm in the truth. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope, hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Sometimes our situations look so bleak. They look so dire. They look so hopeless that we begin to doubt. We begin to have a lack of faith. And it's in those moments, church, may we stand up and say, God, I stand firm. I believe in what you're doing. And read through uh, Hebrews 11 if right now you find yourself in a place where you're beginning to doubt who God is and how much he loves you. If you look at your circumstances right now and you begin to wonder how it's ever going to get better from this point forward, please read Hebrews 11. Church, I would say this. Don't put your hope in me. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to yell at my own daughter. What can I do to you? <laughs> Don't put your hope in church project. We can derail easily. This is man-made. I mean, I love it. I love church project. I love what God's doing here. But don't put your hope in church project. Don't put your hope in me. Don't put your hope in our government. Don't put your hope in yourself. What do we put our hope for? We put our hope in faith and truth, and we put it in Jesus Christ, in the goodness of who God is, and that he is alive and he is at work in this world. I am certain God is good. God is alive. God is well. And even when I cannot see it, and even when you cannot see it, there are times when I do want to give in, and Paul is writing, and he's saying, don't, stand firm. Satan is coming after you. Let's keep going. I'll get off verse 16. I could be here for a while. Laura gave me the move on to 17. Okay, Laura, let's go. Okay, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let's stop right there. And verse 17 talks about the helmet of salvation, being made right with God through Jesus Christ, knowing that, that we are good. So there's tension in the room and there's, there's conflict when we begin to doubt and we begin to say, God, I don't know who you are. But God says, this helmet of salvation, knowing that you're saved, knowing that there is truth, you're standing on the truth, know that, like put that on and know that, because if not, there is conflict. The way that we walk around, there is conflict in the way that we think, because we don't know that we are saved in Jesus Christ. Satan would love, love to come in and begin to attack our self-worth. We begin, he begins to attack who Jesus is and what God has done in our life. He begins to attack that and attack his character, and we begin to doubt who we are. See, God says we are loved in him. We are saved in him and through him, and it's not by our works so that no man can boast. 
Let's look at Romans 8, verse 37 through 39. Romans 8, verses 37 through 39 says this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is true. This is what we get to stand firm on. This is what we get to begin to lock eyes and find our identity in, is this right here. I think of the Roman soldier, and I think of all the armor that, that he has on. And I begin to look at that. And I think of my honeymoon. <laughs> all right, did I lose you yet? I think of actually the, the what, what is it called, the before you get married, the, the day before, what's that called? Whatever, the bachelor party, there you go. I think of my bachelor party when I think of the, this, this armor of the soldier and the Roman soldier and all that. And you, you know, the Roman soldier, he has everything. Like, he has everything. But if he lifts his arm, there's, there's probably a spot right here that, that he can get to. Or if he forgot to put on, you know, something. Oh, I left my shield at home. That's going to hurt when the, when the arrows come your way. Like, the Roman soldier, he absolutely needs everything. And to tie it in with this awkward thing I said. Okay, so on, on our, my bachelor party, I decided, okay, I'm going to go play paintball. And paintball is awesome. Paintball is amazing. You ever played paintball? I mean, it is, it is great. And so I take all these guys out, and we go play paintball. And, and you know, you have your, your helmet on, and it's getting all foggy, and you can barely see. And you've got clothes on everywhere because it can actually really hurt when you get when you get shot with this paintball. And so we, we have a certain amount of paintballs, and, and we begin picking people off. And I'm, I'm pretty sneaky. I'm pretty good. And so we're climbing around this mountain scenario, and, and I see this guy. I think he's one of the last guys that's alive still. Everyone else has been disqualified. And so I know it's like him and me, maybe a couple other guys over here, but I'm going to take him out. And I know that he doesn't have a lot of ammo. I've been watching him. And so he only has like maybe one, two, three shots maybe. And I know I've got a whole chamber full of stuff. So I start just crawling towards him. He knows I'm coming. I know that he's coming. And I begin to just do, do, you know, just try to get him right through the trees. Do, do. I'm getting closer. Like I am full of confidence. And I've got a lot of shots. So I'm shooting a lot at him. And at this point, he hasn't shot any at me. So I begin to crawl up to him. Do, do, do. And I'm about five, five, maybe five yards away. Like I'm close trying to get through the shrubbery. And this is what I see. I see the dude reach up like this, not even looking, not even looking at me, and just pull his trigger. And I see the, the ball coming right at me in slow motion, <laughs> spinning, and it's smiling. It's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, no, how is this going to happen? And what happened so close, and his gun was so powerful, I have a helmet, I have a hat, but there's about this much space, right? <laughs> that much space, and the ball hits right here, boom! How'd you do that? And it hits so hard. I mean, it didn't even break, and that hurts if it doesn't break. And so it hits. Boo! I get dizzy. It's one of those where your ears go, right? I mean, I put my, my, I don't know, I'm done. I'm like, done, done. How did you even do that? But I was exposed just a little bit. You should see my, my pictures from our wedding. I had to uh, put my hair down. <laughs> a lot of makeup right here. I was exposed in that area. 
And all it took was one stupid little paintball and a guy not even aiming to just knock me out. I think of the Roman soldier. I think of this passage right here. I'm skipping the rest of my notes because I think this is the point. (laughs) I don't want us to get distracted in the, the rest of the words that I have. This is the point. If we don't have our armor on, and Satan's going to find that vulnerable spot, he's going to knock us out. That's it. The question would be, are we intending to daily wake up, realize that this battle is only won by the power of Jesus? Nothing that we can do except stand firm. Maybe it'll help you. To literally go through this passage every day and begin to just go through it in your mind. God, I put on the belt of truth right now. Put on my helmet of salvation, my breastplate of righteousness. I have the sword of your word ready. My shoes, I'm ready to go. Like, let's do this thing, God. All my armor's on. This is about you. For you and from you. And I stand firm in who you are. I'm done. I'm skipping the rest. I got my honeymoon illustration. That was good. Okay, we're good. Let's move on. I'm going to ask you right now just to close your Bible and just ask, God, what are you showing me today? The Holy Spirit is powerful. Our women are on Sunday mornings going through a, a study of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning, what God is showing us that is that we've made it more about us than about Him. That we have tried life on our own terms, in our own strength, and we're not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we've forgotten that this is a spiritual battle, and Satan wants to take us out methodically. He wants us to question the goodness of God. He wants us to try a little harder to get out of this situation. And he begins to pick apart our identity. He begins to pick apart our marriages. He begins to pick apart our relationships. All because it's become about us, not about God. Satan slivers in and deceives us. And we find ourselves in a situation. It seems hopeless. We find ourselves confused. Find ourselves seemingly moments away from just running away. We're exhausted, we're tired. Church, this is the good news of this moment. As Jesus says, all this empowered you to stand firm because it's not you standing it's me standing 
You just have to lock eyes with me. I will give you the strength for today. I will give you the strength for tomorrow. Regardless of what today looks like. Regardless of what you've been through. I love you. Keep your eyes locked with me. Can you have a conversation with God just quietly in your chair? Just if you're comfortable with it, hold out your hands and put your palms up in just a submissive state and say, God, everything that I've been holding on to, the things I've been trying to do in my own life, I give it to you. God, today I surrender control of my life, every aspect of it to you. I ask that you would show me who I am in you. Show me how good you are. Show me how powerful you are. Show me yourself, God. Some of us, as we sit here in this, in this quiet, it's been a long time since we've had this much quiet in our life. Ask God to speak to you in this moment. On your chairs or in a chair, close to you as a response card. And on that response card, there's multiple things that you can check. And on the back side of that is a section that's for prayers. Maybe you're going through something in your life right now that's just absolutely overwhelming to you. Would you write that prayer down? Would you put that in the offering back in, your back, in the back left of the room? As elders, we go through these and we, we pray for these. We battle with you. And if I would have stayed with my notes, you would see how important it is to battle in prayer for each other. So don't go through this alone. I don't care if you've come to church project a million times or your first time. Please write that down. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to be in this battle with you. It takes all of us standing together to fight this fight.